0: You're listening to the Children's Book Marketing Podcast, the podcast that teaches self-published children's book authors how to use branding to connect with readers, leverage content to sell more books, and grow a business that goes beyond the book. Being a children's book author means you found a unique way to deliver messages with words and illustrations. But to thrive as an independent publisher, you'll need to master the art of attracting and engaging with readers so that you can sell more books. Join me to learn proven marketing strategies that can be implemented without hassle or complexity to take your publishing endeavors to new heights. I'm your host, Michaela Simone Ben, Mompreneur Marketing Maven, fellow self-published children's book author and content creator. Are you ready to define success on your own terms? Then let's get to it. Hi, I'm Michaela, host of the Children's Book Marketing Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6. And this is the third and final installment of the three-part series I call Content Marketing Basics for Children's Book Authors. The series began with Episode 4 of the podcast, which explained the first most important thing to know about creating content, and that's who is the ideal reader that you want to reach. A free workbook, by the way, on how to find your ideal reader can still be downloaded from the show notes of that episode, which you can find on my website, www.brandstoryboulevard.com. If you haven't already gone there, make sure that's your next stop after listening to this episode. After that, the next episode gave you Four reasons to exclusively focus your attention on a limited number of social media platforms. And that's mainly to save you time, but also to reduce the overwhelm that's almost guaranteed when you try to have a presence in too many places at once. If you haven't already listened to that one, you'll want to go there for the breakdown of where to place your attention to reach your audience. And I strongly suggest you listen to that one with the notepad in hand. At least that's what one person told me. She said she felt like she needed to take notes as she listened to that episode because I really dropped a lot of gems into that one. And so today I'm talking about the what. What to say to your ideal readers on social media to make it worth your time and theirs. So here's what we'll cover in this episode. The five categories you'll want to pull from that make every post something your readers will look forward to seeing across their news feed. I'll tell you about a huge time saver that will make sure you always know what to post and when to post it. And I'm also going to leave you with a bit of a breakdown around what exists in a thorough very focused and intentional content plan. So this episode being the last of the three is going to talk about what you share on social media, because that's what represents what you think, what you stand for and what you want people to know or think about you as they formulate an opinion. Are you one of those authors that wants to check the box to say, that you posted something for the day because if you are I'm calling you out in this episode and I am going to make this a little more of a gut check for you but if you are someone that wants to invite your readers to build an authentic authentic understanding of your purpose, your personality, and your product. Yes, your children's book is a product. Then you are going to feel a lot better about everything I have to say because you will already be faced in the direction that you should be going in when we think about what it takes to connect with readers in a meaningful way. So if you're an author that wants to become the latter and not the former, listen up, take notes. You're about to find out what it means to become a better content creator. Do you know what an afterthought is? It's when you didn't initially have it in mind to do something and then suddenly it occurs to you that you should probably do it. So you scramble to get it done by slapping something together and you put it out there into the world and people are going to see it. And when something is pulled together haphazardly, it looks like it wasn't well thought out. It's not hard to tell when something wasn't really well thought out before releasing it. And it's really not something that impacts people in a positive way. So much for checking the box and saying, hey, at least I showed up for the day. Uh, uh-uh. No, that is not going to cut it that my friend is not at all what you should be doing instead what you should be doing with your social media account is projecting what you want to say to the people that you hope to reach and it's best to do that when it's planned out in advance sure it's nice to mix in images of a selfie Or pictures of what you ate for breakfast here or there because that helps people connect with you on a relatable level. But when it becomes the only thing you're sharing, unless you're a celebrity or an influencer, you're probably wasting your time and you're definitely wasting theirs. What this says to a follower is that you don't have anything in particular to say. Perhaps it's because you don't know what to say or maybe it's because you don't know your audience well enough to know what they want to hear. Either way, I'm not talking simply about grammar and punctuation being off when I'm talking about content being off. I'm talking about giving readers a reason to keep their eyes focused on you. And if you aren't giving them anything of value to stay tuned in for, then the question is really, What are you giving them? Constant reminders of some variation of the phrase, please buy my book? Well, that can only go so far. And believe me, there's a more varied approach to telling people that you have a book available for sale, but if that's all that seems to matter to you all the time, it puts you on par with a door-to-door salesman whose only concern is hitting their numbers for the month. And you have to ask yourself, is that who you want to be? Because usually that's not who people are buying books from. So let's talk about these afterthoughts. What's wrong with them is that they do not scream intentional. They do not scream purpose driven. And they don't say that you're a professional author who's using their book as a platform for delivering an important message. Not being more strategic about how your work is represented can turn away not only readers, but also collaborators and media attention too. Because the media will scour your social media posts to find out what exactly you have to say that's unique or that's in some way special so that when they're thinking about who to feature in an article or who to include in a 15-minute segment, They consider what it is you've already put out there before they decide whether or not they even want to reach out to you and make that initial phone call. When shared as an afterthought, what you post does not boast of how credible you are as an author, and it certainly doesn't position you as a leader in the children's book genre. Even if you're brand new, to self-publishing, and to being an author in general, you're on the brink of being a thought leader that can share something of tremendous value with parents and teachers, and that's going to help them enrich a child's life in some profound way. When you decided to take up the mantle to use your voice through your pen or typewriter or computer, whether you knew it or not, You were telling the world that your work stands out and you have something to say. So within the context of your social media content, you should act like it. So another thing about afterthoughts is that when you post things as an afterthought on social media, it doesn't get readers to share in your excitement or to generate the support that you want for your work or for your cause. And if afterthoughts get anything more than a few likes from friends and family, eventually those stop too because folks get tired of constantly being sold to or bored because there's nothing relevant about your content that matches what is the story that you wrote about. So if they want someone who's always asking them to spend money. Trust me, they don't have to come to you for that. They may as well go to the mall and start looking for the hand lotion lady that comes from out of nowhere almost every time I go there. And here where I live, the mall closest to me has a flat iron lady because apparently everybody who waltzes through Gwinnett County in Georgia needs their hair pressed. So, how do you avoid making posts that are afterthoughts? Well, the way to avoid sending the wrong message by posting a ton of afterthoughts is to have a content plan. This is what can help keep you on track, letting you know what to post, when to post it, and what the communication hopes to achieve so that it's clear. When you look back to see whether or not what you shared was getting the kind of reaction you wanted, you know whether or not what you posted was effective. Coming up with a solid content plan is great, but what do you put in it is what you might be wondering. Well, what I call the 5E focus is where you start when you think about what to share. That means everything you create should be created for the entertainment, enlightenment, education, engagement, or elevation of your followers. For a list of how topics can relate to each of these five E's, make sure you stick around until the end of the episode. Because at the end is when I'll tell you where you can get a hold of an exhaustive list that's already created for you. So back to the content plan. I've identified four main components of a thorough, well put together content plan. I built these for my clients, and I'm going to give you the framework that I use so that you can start to build one for yourself. Here's a bit of the context behind each of them that will also help to simplify the whole thing. That way, that lets you go out and do something with this information immediately after you've listened to this episode because. Knowledge is great, but applied knowledge is better. Within the content plan, number one, your brand story should be broken down into themes. My best advice about this is to allow someone else to help you pull these out. So at a high level, you know exactly what you want people to take away from reading your children's book. You know why you wrote it, but you're too close to it to see the depth into underlying messages, traits within the character personas that you've created and relevant points that come out from your story from the perspective of someone who's reading it. So sure, you know what it means to say when you describe what your book is about. But it may be difficult for you to put that into actual words. So let someone give you feedback like another author or work with a content creator like me or someone on my team to extract those salient concepts because that's what exists behind your book. And those are the book's themes. This is what will give you a richer dialogue with your readers all of these themes. And this is what will give you a set of distinct things to cover that allows you to stay on task. So recently I had a client whose story is about a boy who goes to school and isn't received very well by his classmates because they didn't like what he brought for lunch. And the title of the book is David's Dinner Party. It was written by Taiska Jumbo, who is a phenomenal author and mom and wife. And because she was so close to the storyline, she said, Okay, here, Michaela, take this and tell me what I need to say about it. Well, I ended up pulling out eight themes altogether. And underneath those eight themes, there were things to discuss that gave her an endless supply of content. When I say find the themes, I mean the overarching parts of the storyline that are unique to your book. So number two, documentation on when to release content that supports your brand's themes is something else that gets worked into your content plan. The best way to capture this is through using a calendar that details when everything should be made visible to your audience. Things such as when you'll release special campaigns or ongoing campaigns, those things should be captured here. The seasonal or holiday events that you plan to participate in because they align with your brand should be labeled here within the calendar as well because this is what will help you determine how much time you need to prepare content in advance to calibrate with the release of the materials that you want to hit on time to make sure you're meeting the season or the holiday or the event that you have it in mind to piggyback off of when it's time for your book to be highlighted. And you'll also need time for preparing materials. You'll need time for scheduling appearances in advance and even afterward and for establishing collaborator support around your promotions. So everybody thinks that Christmas is the holiday season that's the biggest selling season of the year and for a lot of books that's true Christmas themed books holiday themed books tend to do a lot better and many books sell better in general across the children's book genre because books are given as a gift to all children and to parents and so yes Christmas is a big holiday season for a lot of authors but my book has a heavy emphasis on the nurture and support that exists between a father and a son. So guess when Christmas will come for me? Christmas comes for me in June when it's Father's Day. Number three, a good content plan includes the use of automation tools that enable you to time the release of your content strategically. Now, to do this on Instagram, I use three tools. I don't need it to be complicated. And so the three things that I use are Microsoft Excel, Canva, and Planoly. There are lots of software programs that can be used to manage workflow like Trello and Asana and a few newcomers to the game. And they are effective for team engagement if someone else is managing this or other parts of your business on your behalf. However, I do not use those programs to manage my content because it creates extra work for me to learn how to navigate within them. That additional layer creates complexity for me because I prefer this proven one page glance that I like that I've been using for years. In fact, I've been using it since I became a Microsoft Excel wizard in the making in my late 20s. And that skill was cultivated in my early 30s. And so I use formulas and functions within Microsoft Excel that are an extension of what I consider to be my native language. And there are some really amazing things that can be done simply to capture information, link it together and make sure it fits into a simple one page view. I don't make time to jump around a bunch of different places if I don't have to. And so from this, I've learned that the simplest format for presentation to organize information in a polished yet succinct and uncomplicated way is for me to use what I know. I use Planoly for scheduling. Scheduling my content is something that I do because I batch almost everything that I have to create. Batching is a technique that I've used for years, but... I use it primarily because I have these periods of time where I can cluster together lots of the work that I'm doing. And so I get on a roll and I leverage whatever the creativity is that's coming to me at that time. And I also use these blocks of time to make it possible for me not to have to stop what I'm doing because. I didn't do it in the timing that I should have and create an afterthought. And I'm human, so trust me. I know how tempting it can be to just slap something together and put it on Instagram. And then the other tool that I use is Canva. I use Canva to create the posts that I am going to make. And I have Canva access at the pro level because I manage accounts for other people. So there are some functionalities within Canva that I use that it may not be necessary for someone who's just managing their own account to use but it's the type of software that allows me to bypass having to use Adobe anything in the creative suite and get something out there that fits my brand or that of my clients and fits the overall intention that I have for creating messages that fit into a visual scope that's appealing and that is memorable. So those are my three tools. That's all I need. And as my son would say, that's all you need in his three and a half year old voice. So number four, within the context of a good content plan, there should be some space for analysis of how responsive your audience is to messages that you share. It's important to make time to study the effectiveness of your content marketing efforts because Instagram is my favorite social media account for connecting with you. I spend a lot of time in the insights feature to understand what you respond to more favorably. And some of the things that I've seen people like, comment, or share more have shocked me. But were it not for me looking at the insights, I wouldn't know to create more of that kind of thing. So these are the tools that help with growing my understanding for what I should share more of and what I should share less of. And you can use that tool as well. It's a free tool within Instagram. And there are also other tools that help To give this analysis and the insights that Instagram provides can be extrapolated using other software programs that are more detailed than the Instagram insights feature. But there's also tools that I use to help with growing my account. And the biggest, most effective tool that I use isn't really a tool at all. It's simply being consistent. Consistently sharing valuable content is what has been able to grow my followers with people who care about what I'm saying and what I have to share or to teach. And I prefer it that way than to working with someone who is going to inflate my follower count and they're going to add a bunch of people so that it looks like I have a critical mass of followers when the reality is Half of those people might be the cryptocurrency folks that I seem to always get requests from, which I, by the way, always remove as followers or the other people who like to get at me are the sugar daddies. So I said you should stick around until the end. And here's why. To simplify the entire content playing process, I created a dynamic resource to give you something of value to share on Instagram with your readers every day for a full year. It's called Content Prompts 365 and it is exclusively for children's book authors. It holds 12 months of prompts or topics, they might be referred to, that you can use to create content that's on target with your author brand and your book and you can use it every day of the week if you want to. Now, do you have to post every day? Not necessarily. But will you have something available to give you an idea of what to post with Content Prompts 365? You absolutely will. Now, I initially created this for a client of mine who it was customized for according to her book. But then I took a step back It made it a bit more general for it to be possible for you to work your themes into it as well and customize it according to your book. The best thing about Content Prompts 365 is that it's going to save you the time of trying to figure out what subject to post about. And it's a prompt so it gives you an idea and once that idea is sparked it's up to you to figure out exactly what to say. There is guidance that will help you figure out how to structure your thoughts but the next best thing is that it makes sure you remain within the framework of the five E's that I mentioned earlier. That way you can see just how you're able to cover all of your bases and keep your content fresh interesting and within enough variety that it keeps your audience from getting bored so that pretty much covers everything that i had hoped to share within this series and I do hope that it was impactful for you because you've gotten strategy tools, you've gotten some insight into the behind-the-scenes strategy, and with this latest, the Content Prompts 365, I want to make sure you know where to get it. To incorporate this amazing tool into your content strategy, go to my website, www.brandstoryboulevard.com cp365. If you found this episode helpful and want to show your support for the podcast, please consider becoming a patron of the Children's Book Marketing Podcast by selecting a membership level on Patreon. And also, if you haven't already, take a moment to go and review the podcast for me. I am so curious to know now that we're six episodes in how this podcast has helped you and if there has been anything that you've learned from the podcast do share that with me because I really want to make a positive impact on your book selling endeavors thanks so much for joining today see you next time